In life, we're all bound for different things. Bound for fun, bound for action, bound for the unexpected. Well, with some help from my friends over at BeachBound.com, we can all be bound for adventure, passion, and discovery with relaxing beach getaways worldwide. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm bound to end up with a drink in my hand and my toes in the sand. Wake me up when it's dinner time. Make your beach whatever you want it to be. Visit BeachBound.com to book your next beach vacation at Secrets Resorts and Spas. What are you bound for? On another episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, we have another interview. Yes, that is right. We have with us today Stephanie Early, lead editor on Central Park and part of the editorial department of the Bob Burgers movie. We get into plenty about her background, animation, a little bit of anime, and so much more. And we're going to get into all of that and much more right after these ads we have no control over. In life, we're all bound for different things. Bound for fun, bound for action, bound for the unexpected. Well, with some help from my friends over at BeachBound.com, we can all be bound for adventure, passion, and discovery with relaxing beach getaways worldwide. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm bound to end up with a drink in my hand and my toes in the sand. Wake me up when it's dinner time. Make your beach whatever you want it to be. Visit BeachBound.com to book your next beach vacation at Secrets Resorts and Spas. What are you bound for? Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of a favorite action animated series, yeah. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, where we take action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We are your hosts, I am Zuhair Ali. And I am Andrew Rogers. And we finally have another interview in the books. Joining us today is the lead animation editor for Central Park on Apple TV+. Plus. Joining us today is Stephanie Early. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm great. Thank you for being here. We're super excited to have you. Thank you. All right, so I am in the spirits today. So before we get into animation stuff, I got to ask, are you a football fan at all? Yes, I'm a massive football fan. Massive. What is your team? (laughs) Well, I, I college football massively. Uh, okay. Georgia Bulldogs. I went to UGA. Very and nice. NFL, I tend to follow NFL teams that have um, Georgia grads. So I okay. was a, oh. a Lions fan for a very long time because of Matt Stafford. He is, of course, on the Rams. So that's uh, probably my current favorite, but I still love the Lions. And I'm from Tennessee, so I like the Titans, too, but don't follow as close. (laughs) So I'm going to apologize in advance. Uh, I am a Commanders fan, so I'm hoping that Devin Lloyd gets absolutely crushed this weekend. Uh, But after that, I'm hoping he does well. I was very excited to hopefully draft him, and that did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. But yes, as you can tell, I'm very excited for football, but I'm also very excited to have you here today because... Getting the push to watch a new show and talk animation and get educated on what it's like behind the scenes is always a good time. So I do want to ask you a question that we ask all of our guests that we have here. What is your origin story? I I mean, it's, you talk to anyone in the industry, so many people will say that they didn't realize it could be a career. They're just like, oh, I don't know how people like do that. And I'm the exact same. I have always loved entertainment. I I mean, appointment viewing at its finest. I was Dawson's Creek, Felicity, Buffy, obsessed. And just <laughs> if I 
for some reason couldn't be at home to watch it, I had my VCR set to record and I watched it as soon as I got home. Like I've always been obsessed with entertainment, media, television, film. And when I went to school, I was, I, I, I wanted to be a fashion major. Okay. okay. Which is laughable. It is straight up laughable because I am the least fashionable person that anyone knows. And I just, I think I sort of was going to do it because all my friends from high school were also going to try and do it. So we were like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll all be fashion majors. No. Um, after I switched, I switched and got into the journalism school and I went to University of Georgia and they did not have a robust film program like they do now. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I met some really close friends and we all pushed the school to bring a producer in, like a, a real film producer in to teach us something that wasn't broadcast news. Cause that was, uh, primarily what the journalism school did in terms of, um, video. Mm-hmm. So... We just had independent studies. We did that. I did a ton of work for the news station where I taught myself Final Cut Pro. And after graduation, my friends and I were like, we're going to move to L.A. in five years. This is we have we want to have like experience on our resume. And 15 months later, we were like, do you want to just go? Like, yeah, I'm working as a waitress. I, it's like, it's fine, but like no one will hire me. So I might as well not be hired in Los Angeles. Right. Like that's the obvious choice. So packed up and I had enough money in my account to basically last like eight months without a job. I was like, okay, I got to get a job here. This is like first thing I got to do. So I, applied everywhere that I could find online because I had no connections. And I got a job on real world Hollywood. And that was my first industry job. I was logging at night. And logging is basically when you just watch footage and describe what's happening. And that was that was my start. So I started in unscripted. And I was in Unscripted for almost a decade. I moved up from, yeah, it's a long time. I thought I was like fully on the Unscripted train. I was like, this is great. I love the show that I was on. I was cutting this show called Ghost Hunters. um, For I moved up from, in that company, from uh, post PA to editor of on Ghost Hunters with a whole Mm -hmm. big team. And... I was going to a party with my boyfriend at the time, now husband, who had just gotten a job at Bento Box on Bob's Burgers. And he was like, come to this housewarming party and meet all these people that I work with. And I was like, that sounds great. And I met a producer who was staffing up uh, a show that had just gotten picked up on Hulu and she was like, this is the awesomes. Like, do you want to do this? It just gotten a second season. It had got, it had its first season. And I was like, yeah, I don't have any animation experience though. Is, is that okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm a risk it. Let, yeah, why not? <laughs> like, I, you're kind of funny. Let's, let's see if you're a good fit. 
And That's so, cool. so she hired me and I was fluent and avid, of course. So that was really the main thing that some of the executive producers at the time really cared about was if you knew avid. So I was like, I can, I can figure out the rest from, from there. So that was my first animation show. And that was the same producer that hired me on Central Park. That's really cool. That's really interesting. Moral of the story, because I just moved to LA myself, is I just need to start going to more parties and just hoping to meet the right people. That's that's kind of what I'm learning here. But I'm interested to know that like these are your first couple animation jobs. Like obviously we're very passionate about animation. Do you feel like this is a place that you're very happy to hang your hat and you're going to stay? Or are you kind of looking at all sorts of options, whether it be animation as, you know, your home now, or are you looking at all sorts of editorial you know, futures, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of open to anything. I, I think a good editor is versatile, but there is something about animation that I, I just, I love it so much. There is a technical side and a creative side when you're in editorial and doing both as an animation editor just feeds both sides of my brain. And it's the sides in unscripted or scripted where you would have an assistant editor and an editor and the editor is like mostly all creative and doesn't worry about all of these minutia. But in animation, I do worry about the minutia. I do worry about all of the technical stuff and the organization and how all of the communication between departments and all that kind of stuff. Like when I was an assistant editor, that was my job in unscripted as the editor in animation. It's part of my job as well. So I do sort of both sets of skills. Um, and it's incredibly satisfying for my brain. I have very bad AD, ADD. So it's really good to sort of be involved in the whole process. So I will probably stay in animation as long as I can keep getting work. Um, so we'll sort of sort of see. Hopefully it's all working out. I can only imagine what it's like to be sitting in a room going over concepts and stuff and just getting super excited about like all the stuff you want to do and how it's going to work. And then you're just sitting there like, wait, is this possible? Can this happen? Can we put this together? Yeah, with an environment like that, I can only imagine what it's like when you're sitting at the table trying to go over concepts and everyone's coming up with these ideas and just this this surge of creativity. And then all of a sudden you have to stop and be like, wait, is this possible? Can we make this happen? How do we make this happen? And that that need to go from the excitedness to the logistics and then bringing all of that together. It is. It's, you know... There's a quote, and I, I don't know who actually said it, so I'm not going to get it wrong. But um, the, someone said about animation once that the good news is uh, the possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. But the bad news is that the possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, your only limitations are what you can draw in theory mm -hmm. for us a lot of times the limitations are what you can draw on schedule and on budget. Right. Yeah. So we have to have a lot 
of creative conversations about what we would love to do in a perfect world. How do we want to make this sequence work? But then in the next breath, we have to be very realistic about how is that going to happen? What are the resources? And, you know, not all of that obviously falls on me. It doesn't all fall on the show creator. We have um, a post team that sort of keeps managing resources like that. So we do have the opportunity to be creative, but I personally don't like to sort of over pitch. Like if I have a really great idea, I would pitch, you know, two of three if I thought resources could handle it. Maybe I would pitch all three, but be completely ready for, you know, one or two to be shot down due to resources. So it's just about figuring out creatively and outside of the box. And um, that really is something that is exciting to me. I'm glad that you're excited about it, but I really wish that we lived in a world where animation just had <laughs> unlimited funds. <laughs> I know. I know. Just make things happen. And they do I mean, at so many other places. <laughs> no, they, <laughs> it does at a lot of other places and, and different shows are all different. Um, I was on a panel with a whole bunch of Pixar editors and Ooh. they do sort of have an unlimited budget. So <sighs> it just sort of depends on how things, you know, are for that specific show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you yeah. know, but yeah. So. I mean, by the way that Apple does all of their castings for the show they've been doing, it seems like they have an unlimited budget. <laughs> yes. They, yes. <laughs> that <laughs> iPhone money is being that. put to very good use. <laughs> very true. I'm, I'm trying not to jump the gun too much because your statements just now, like, brought up all the questions that I had for the stuff I was saving for later. So let's actually <laughs> dive right into the show. Um, yeah. What was the inspiration for Central Park? Like how did all of that come together? Because this is one of the very early shows when the Apple TV plus service first kicked off. Yes. So I, I've been on since season one as the assistant editor, but I was living in Michigan with my husband and that same producer who hired me for the awesomes, her name's Sarani. She was constantly in communication with me being like, when are you guys moving back to LA? Like we have this show and it's a musical. And I was like, that sounds fun. And it was in very, very early, early stages of pre-production at the time. And they were still designing and writing and trying to figure out sort of what it was going to be. But, you know, from what I gleaned since I wasn't in, you know, early pitch meetings um, was, so it's a, it's a Lauren, it's a Lauren Bouchard show who did Bob's Burgers. And he had this idea of a musical because it, just had never been done before a short form television animated musical. Uh And I'm not sure how it came about in terms of it being central park, but I don't know the exact story on that one. Okay. Actually. 
I don't. I mean, it was cool hearing your experience that you were actually gone for a while and came. you came back to L.A. specifically for this show? Sort of. I mean, my husband and I had moved to Michigan because we thought that's like what you did. You mm-hmm. got engaged and moved out of the city because no one is going to live in Los Angeles. That's not where you go to raise a family. He was, um, you know, from the suburbs of Detroit and from the suburbs of Nashville. We're sort of like... Well, that's what you do. Like you move closer to family and you go to the suburbs. And so we like moved and that did not work out, but we were still getting calls from Los Angeles. So we're like, what did we do? Let's just check that, reverse it. And so we ended up moving back like almost three years after we moved. Um, And immediately I knew that Central Park was happening, but we didn't have a timeline. Pre-production for an animated show can, pre-production for animated anything can just really take forever. They have to design all the characters. They do so much of the stuff ahead of time um, because they usually have short schedules once things actually get, you know, bought, greenlit, um, that type of thing. So I knew that Central Park was coming, but it, it was like a year and a half from when I knew that it was in the works to the actual press release that it was going to be on Apple after a bidding war. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's interesting, as you say, like this, I didn't even think about it, that this is one of the first like short form musicals that, you know, has been put out something like this. How was that creative process when they were pitching it to you as the team that was working on it? Like, what did you think that first time? Were you like, how are we going to animate this? Or how is it going to come together, you know, choreographically? Or was it just an open world of opportunity where they said, do whatever you want, just make it work? So (laughs) season one was super difficult. Every season we have learned from the previous season. So season three, pretty smooth. Season two, better than season one. Season one, what are we doing and how are we going to get this show on air? Was, oh, was the beauty of an empty canvas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it started out and it was supposed to be serialized. Um And that was one of the first changes. They also, during the animatic phase, they also changed the designs of the family. And, you know, all of these things were changing after stuff had, like, already been shipped overseas. So, you know, that's Uh sort of flying by the seat of our pants at that point. Um, But everything was initially set up to like the pipeline, the workflow, everything was initially set up to be the same as Bob's Burgers because a lot of the production staff were pulled from Bob's all in this, you know, same company, the producing staff, Lauren, everyone is the same with with Bob's on, on that end. And everyone was familiar with that pipeline. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... The hiccup was 
they did the first musical sequence and after it had been boarded and animated and sort of any retakes done after it had been boarded and animated and was ready to actually air in the episode, that opening sequence had basically been equivalent resource wise to an entire episode of what Bob's had previously done. So season one, we start sort of started being like, well, we gotta, we have to sort of make some adjustments and we had to first recognize that the show was not Bob's and it would have its own needs. And so we had to adjust for that. It was going on a different network. So we had to make those adjustments and learn those deliverables. Mm. It was also, it's also 4k. So our entire pipeline and process that Bento as a company has for all of its shows had to be adjusted as well. So we're all, we're learning this like as we go, because we're like, Oh, that's not going to work. How can we fix it? Somebody else would come up and we'd be like, Oh, that's not going to work. How can we fix it? And we just sort of all the logistic stuff that's just not in your control. Exactly. It was all, it would all sort of come up, you know, one at a time. And we just had to, meet it head on so when the whole bidding war stuff is going on do you excuse me so when you guys are doing pre-production you have the designs down the plot down you're figuring all that stuff out do you do all that before you know who your cast and who your network is is it just like a raw product that you're still trying to like plug like plug those last two things into? It sort of depends on the show. Okay. Um you know, pre-production in animation is usually so far before an editor even starts and then the editor comes on to cut animatics. So you're not going to have an editor until you have, you know, a show sold and you have stuff that is actually moving forward in a process. So yes. So pre-production is so before there's like a, there's so much that has to happen before a show actually gets sold, greenlit, you know, purchased to be distributed distributed um and then there's pre-production for the show after it's greenlit and then it goes into production which for our show is overseas and then we have post-production um after we get our color animation back so for central park there was definitely designs they probably had some color designs but so much of what I have seen of some of those materials were just all um, black and white animatics. Um, and then the once it was, um, once it went through its bidding war and Apple bought it and greenlit the first 26 episodes, true pre-production started. And that's when um, 
so many of the designs are finessed, if there were any changes or notes or anything that needed to be addressed um, before starting actual episodes, that happens. But really, that's when the writer's room starts, is when a show is picked up and greenlit. So there's a general concept and everything, but you need that green light to start up the next tiers. Yeah, mo- that's oh. how most of it works. I'm sure there are um, shows that are you know picked up from concept in a more direct way, but mm-hmm. in in general, <laughs> before you start paying people to work on the show, you have to have a green light somewhere. Well, going on about people having things to say, this is an incredible cast. Uh, I tried to go into a show knowing as little as possible. Uh, Sometimes I get to the point, which happened right off the bat in this show, where it's like, okay, now I'm curious Mm -hmm. who's in this. But I try to get, like, into the story more than I'm worrying about, like, who's in it and then trying to compare it to stuff and this and that. But the second that Josh Gad started speaking at the beginning of his narration... I thought of Bear Claw from New Girl. <laughs> and now that version of him is all I think about whenever he's talking. And I just I just think that he moved from L.A. to just live in Central Park and go about the story. Which honestly <laughs> makes it very good, in my opinion, because that's a great show and a great character. I absolutely love the way that the narrator is part of the story. But like... He's not doing he's doing it as if he's like just sitting and talking to himself about what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really hard to explain if you haven't watched it, but it's just such a unique style of just very observational, sometimes in the creepiest of ways. <laughs> and his just <laughs> his delivery and just his integration to everything is so well done. Like, what was it like working with him? And from my understanding, it's the voices that come before the animation, right? So the voices are cast, but we okay. don't necessarily have everybody recorded for every episode before we send for animation. Okay. Um. And especially with our cast, it is it we did not have any episodes that shipped with full cast. So we do huh. a lot in color. Uh, once we get color animation back to we do a lot of ADR and we do a lot of, you know, retakes in house if it's a better performance and we have to change the acting on the character. Like we do that in post. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. Uh, So we have in there's, so there's thematic, which is like very rough drawings. And then there's animatic, which is just your black and white drawings Mm -hmm. with more detail. Um, And they, they're basically like the outlines of the characters you would see in color. And then we have our color animation. There have definitely been episodes in animatic up through season three where we shipped like all temp audio, all temp. And we get the cast recorded, we get animation back, and it is just in my timeline. 
and I do what I can. I fix what I can. And we have retakes to fix acting. It's, it's can be very difficult, but it's one of the best. My, it's one of my favorite things about my job is when something comes in and I'm able to fix it. Um, but there can be nuances to line deliveries where it's like, no, you know, Josh delivering a birdie line. He, it's like, it's very obvious that he now needs an eye dart because of his inflection, which we didn't have right. when we shipped. And we, so it wasn't drawn in animatic. So it wasn't drawn in color, but when it comes back and we, we have now Josh's voice in there, we're like, Oh no, clearly this needs an eye dart or this needs eyebrows or we have to change the, his body energy because the energy of the line read is different. So we, we encounter a lot of that. I wish you could see my facial reactions right now. Cause I'm super <laughs> fascinated with all this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Cause I was going to ask the question, like obviously all voice actors are just phenomenal in what they do across the board because they have to bring life to a character without physical acting. But do you find that it's mm -hmm. more difficult to, you know, work with these, not difficult, but you have to do more of these, you know, nuanced things when you have this level of a, for lack of a better word, flamboyant cast, because just looking at it, you have Josh Gad, Titus Burgess, Kristen Bell, Leslie Odom Jr. They are all just very over the top. When you see them do anything in live action, they just bring presence to the stage and screen. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you suddenly have so much more that you want to do when you're dealing with these over the top personalities? We do. Okay. We do. We the the style of acting for this show very specifically has changed so much for the better as we've gone through the seasons because we're sort of figuring it out at at first, you know, mm -hmm. figuring out okay, who is this character and how is this character going to be brought to life? by whomever is playing them. And, you know, Paige is a great example, played by, uh, voiced by Catherine Hahn. Her acting in season one versus season three is so dramatically different. And at each stage, um, the directors and our supervising director and um, our showrunners have discussed with each new team of storyboard artists, like, okay, this is now how we're going to do Paige's acting. This is, we're making her more fluid. And uh, in season one, she is a little bit more uh, like her, this feels weird to say, but like her body is monotone when her voice is not. And so she oh. had less, uh, you know, arms when she would sing and she, her movement was all very, normal and natural but by the time you get to season three she has some flair to you know how they would draw her arm movements how they would draw you know how she would like tilt her head back and like do put her chin up as she's walking during a song or something like there's just the the way that they've uh the way that the characters have evolved has had a lot to do with the evolution of the cast as well, getting to know the characters. That's so fascinating. It's great. It was so yeah, fun to does watch. Does the cast have any 
say to you in how these things go or is this you adapting to them like how does that process actually go because i wouldn't i wouldn't have expected it unless you just mentioned oh well the cast learns these characters as well i think it's i mean to me as watching as the editor and how you know i'm not in the um the actual recording sessions where they're being directed by the showrunners. But when I get the performances back and I'm getting back all of the things that are decided in these pre-production meetings. And then, you know, when things get sent overseas and they come back to me and I, I, I'm able to like track the evolution. And to me, it feels like it comes from both sides, you know, David Diggs plays Helen. He voices Helen and watching, you know, Helen in season one versus Helen versus Helen in season three is wonderful. <laughs> you know, like, and there's almost like a sassiness that has evolved. And you can just tell that David Diggs is having so much fun voicing Helen and <laughs> Josh voicing Birdie as, as more information comes to light about Birdie and about his relationship with the family and how he does watch them and how he is a part of their lives. Birdie's performances have only been enhanced by the information that, that the viewer does get throughout the episodes of how you know, Birdie is so intertwined with this family. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's fun. And I don't even know ultimately if showrunners and cast ever sat down and decided that these evolutions were happening or if it's just because it's now season three and they've learned their characters. And then as production, we've learned from them learning and then they learn from what we end up showing and we just it's this sort of unending circle of creativity and evolution yeah the dynamic between bitsy and helen has been so much fun to watch just they're it's my favorite they're they're irritated and frustrated dialogues towards each other and then just this the the sly <laughs> comments that Helen has over on the side like it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it <laughs> <laughs> everything about it is just so so petty and the delivery on all the dialogue between those two characters is something I very much look forward to especially when you have poor champagne in the corner just wanting to get out of it all <laughs> yes and season three has has a lot of Bitsy and Helen that is is really like <laughs> meaningful and funny I I really enjoy their. I mean, Helen, Helen is probably my favorite. Can I pick okay. a favorite? I don't even. I just I love them all so much. So you say that Helen is your favorite. Do you have a character that you like relate to the most? I relate to Paige. I relate to Paige the most. Okay. Um, probably because I'm a mom. And so when she has her mom jokes or is trying to like overly connect with her kids that resonates with me in yeah. a humorous way um i yeah so yeah helen is my favorite but i relate to Paige the most 
That's fair. I think for me, it's Molly. Molly's the daughter, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. Molly for me, because just the way that she gets in her own head and overanalyzes everything is just like incredibly imaginative. And she she's all over the place. It's hilarious. It's wonderful. But like you feel for her at the same time. And it brings me into my next question for you as an animator. The comic book scenes are so wonderfully done where it's like hand drawn. And it's like you actually are looking between panels, but each panel actually has dynamics and animation and movement and everything going between each one with the the scratchy, you know, straight pencil drawn look to it. Mm-hmm. What was it like working on that? Did you have, did you ever like read comics and stuff growing up? Was this something that you were just having fun with? Like, what was the process like putting that together? Because it stands out from the style of the rest of the show in such an imaginative and fantastic way. I get all of that footage. Um, and I, I put it together and I, and I pace it and I, make some changes on it but um i don't draw it that is i am not an artist <laughs> I, um it gets done by our fantastic storyboard artists and our amazing color animators and it comes to me <laughs> where i occasionally animate in avid where um things need to go but the additional step for the Fistapuffs footage is we have an amazing technical directing team and the uh, footage came from overseas and our TD team throws the texture on it. There is a, the hair boil is a live particle that in the past we've had to do in house and season three, we were able to send it or have them do it overseas. So we got it and we just had to fix a couple of things. So we have an amazing VFX team that handles um, a lot of that stuff. But for me getting into the minutia, if I didn't like the pattern of the hair boil, I I, I would change it (laughs) if I had the frames to change it. But um, the comic book stuff is so dynamic and I love it. And I did, I did read comic books. I have two brothers and I would steal their comic books and I collected, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember this or know what this is, but like the comic book cards, that comic book stores had where you would go and you would like buy a pack and keep them. And it looks like it was basically like baseball trading cards, but it was the cards and they had this whole pa- like whole uh, collection of holographic ones, and the Punisher was extremely difficult to get. And I had two because I spent a lot of money on comic book <laughs> trading cards that I never got my money back from. I was promised that those would be worth something <laughs> one day, and they the were. The day not. may come; you never know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's okay. When um, yeah. my friends and cousins decided that they were too old for Pokemon cards now, they gave me all of theirs. <laughs> and now that price tags are showing up on them, they were like, hey, buddy, you remember how we used to play all those together? Do you still have them? I'm like, huh. huh. Now, now, 
I see. I see I how that goes. I don't know what you're talking about. You see, my collection's still on my bookshelf, safely with so me. I don't know what you're talking about. I still have them all, too, but they're not getting sold. <laughs> right. They're, they're for you. Exactly. I get that. I told Probably my cousin I'd write her into my will. Like, if she outlives <laughs> me, she can have them back and do whatever she wants with them, but not while I'm around. They're mine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the music in the show. Very addicting, very incredible. Yeah. You know, you can't help but like tap your toes and bob your head whenever a song comes on, which is multiple times within an episode. Do you have Definitely. a favorite song so far? I have so many favorite songs. It's like every <laughs> time I hear a new one, I'm like, that's my new favorite. No, that's my new favorite. Um, Weirdos Make Great Superheroes is yes. probably one of the first ones that really resonated with me. Um and I love it. I uh, I don't know. I just that's that. I always I always come back to that one. Um, there's there's a couple in season three. I won't I won't give away too much, okay. but there's one in um, three three oh six. I think it's. I don't know if it'll air as, as 306, but it's it's a Kristen Bell song um, okay. who is returning. It's been announced that she's returning as Paige's sister, Abby. And she has this amazing song. And it just, it tears me up every time. And we have video Aww. of Kristen singing it. And I've been working with a... Um, my showrunner to do some promo for this upcoming season. And we got to use um, some of that video and show um, how the songs get created. And, hmm. you know, the demos are done, you know, storylines for songs are pitched to um, guest artists and composers and, we get a demo back and the demo is um, what the thematic rough drawings are done to. And then we get some voice recording and we hope to get that in before animatic so that it can ship. In season three, we managed to get that. That was like a hard one, but we managed to get it. Um, and then we finally get um, after, after we get color, we end up getting like a final song which does have a lot of the instruments but the songs that are going on the album are yeah. these full orchestral arrangements that are freaking mind-blowing awesome. oh so you get awesome just music. enough to work off of on your end and then they amp it up later on they do so okay we have sort of a a locked cast recording and we do get music with some instruments. The, the sort of the orchestral version versions are sort of, they are definitely in our final delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, and then th when they go on the album, they sort of figure out where they want the song to start and end. You know, a song may have a vamp under some talking um, or it, we can cut straight to it 
depending on the song. And usually when they are making the album mixes, they'll take some of that dialogue and like really like vamp it up and then it goes and you have this like huge orchestral moment. You have some sort of trailing dialogue so that the album sort of feels more like operatic rather than like track, 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 track. Um, But that comes from what we've done in Final Picture. So it's sort of, we have what is locked at Final Picture and then they sort of make their additions to it for the album. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a really... I I know you didn't... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's a really interesting process and I'll let you go, Zoo, before I get into my next question kind of on that note. Oh, I just want to share that I'm the Worst has been my favorite song so far. (laughs) Um, there has been a lot of stuff like there's been a lot of songs songs that you like really vibe with and it's very energetic and so much fun to listen to especially during the roller skate even in the very first episode Mm -hmm. but that one because it referred to superheroes that I'm aware of right off the bat and the way that it was animated in that style that I just said how much I absolutely loved Mm -hmm. all of that coming together and then, like, the purpose of the song and everything, I was just like, oh, this is really nice. I'm sad now, but I love this, and this is really <laughs> nice. And I'm going to go look for this on Apple Music and add it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that is definitely my favorite from that so far. <laughs> oh, buddy. But I'm excited to hear what you have coming for us in Season 3. It's good ones. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, so my next question kind of pivots off the show a little bit, but feel free to tie it back in as much as possible. Uh, you also were in the editorial department for the Bob's Burgers movies, correct? Or for the Bob's Burgers movie, yes. not plural, singular. Uh, that movie was <laughs> yeah. also a ton of fun. The music in it was, you know, in the same vein of zany and interesting. How would you say the process differs between doing it as a movie versus doing this as a series where you're always having a rotating cast and, you know, different story going on within this through line every single week, as opposed to one two hour chunk that you are just working on tremendously. Yeah. It's, you know, the thing about the Bob's Burgers movie is it was made um, by the people who make the television show. So, And I mean that quite literally, like the production. Everybody made the movie like they made the show. So there was a lot of rewrites and really working to get the minutia down. And everything was intentional. And when I worked on the movie, the songs weren't even locked yet. They were still trying to figure out the best ways to do them there were demos in the timeline and it was just very in flux and it's you know the editor of Bob's Burgers movie Chris Fitzgerald he was on Central Park season one so he's who I learned and he was the editor of the awesome so like he is who I learned how to edit animation from um I could edit, obviously I'd been editing unscripted, but editing animation is not different, but what are the possibilities? How do you make adjustments? You know, the thing about 2D animation is you can change anything 
if you can get a clean line. So I learned from him how to build a frame. Like if I want the this corner from this frame and this character walking in from this frame and I want these eyebrows from this frame and this mouth, like you can just build all of that in 2D animation as long as you can get a clean line around the actual animation. But yeah, so Chris was the editor on the movie and I I moved back to Central Park when there was still like a year and a half of, is it a year and a half? Yeah, about a year and a half of production left on the movie. And so when I saw it for the first time, I was like, this is so different. <laughs> like there, there was a new song, new songs. There were, um, oh my gosh, so many different scenes. So many things were different. Like I just, I remember watching it and being like, that dialogue wasn't there. That was a, <laughs> it, it was working on this for two years before I got there. And that, and like in the net, you know, the year since I had moved back onto Central Park, things were changed again, even more. And the cohesiveness of it is just only made better by all of the things that they were able to do and how well they had all worked together on the show, bringing that to the movie. That's honestly so fantastic. And we've talked to some other editors about the you know, skills that come with nonlinear editing in the modern world, but I would never have guessed it was so much like you talked about building a frame yourself and being in flux, you know, after three years of production, changing something that close to release. <laughs> like, obviously, we know it's a creative yeah. process, but from the outside looking in, you think to yourself, oh, maybe they'll change something, you know, in the writing room and then it will move but once it gets to animation, it's probably all there to know how many things are changing all throughout these processes is just absolutely insane to finally get a little bit more insight to. It is the, you know, there's a rewrite at every stage of pre-production and post-production for Central Park. There's a rewrite at thumbs. They, they finally get to see some rough drawings of their words and they basically are deciding, do we like those words? Does that convey what we want them to convey? Let's make some changes. Then at animatic, we, we put together those previous changes, put together an animatic screening cut, and then we get an animatic rewrite. And then that, is what ships overseas. So we we hope that those are sort of the words that we want. That's the way that we want to tell the story. And then when we get it back in color, we have another rewrite. Because it's been so long. It's been, by the time color comes back, color, it's like 12 to 14 weeks that it's overseas being animated. So it comes back, we have a color screening and the same questions apply. Is that funny? Do we still like that joke? Is that the best way to convey these emotions? Is that the best way to tell this story? What are the words that we want? And fortunately for us on Central Park, our rewrites are um, were mostly just jokes. Everything was was really buttoned up, and it 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 just proved that there was so much that you know was always positive about the show but at every stage of these rewrites 
you ask these same questions and in animatic and in color, not so much in thumbs. It's, that is more director and showrunners on our sh- on our show in our pipeline. But as the editor, I can ask those questions as well at both of those phases. And um, after color, we have a big edit session, like all day, six hours, seven hours. And we've been working from home. So it's on Zoom. And we, we basically go through the cut frame by frame, shot by shot, and ask those questions again, even after we've already done the rewrite. And, you know, the thing that we used to have when we weren't working from home was um, table reads. So a table read, I mean, that's basically where like, you know, if cast is present, they read their part from the script in front of a room full of people. And you can sort of see what gets laughs, what doesn't get laughs and sort of figure out with an audience, with audience participation, basically at the words, um, sort of figure out what works and what doesn't work. So this edit session after the color rewrite is one of the first times where we're watching pieces of the show with other people. So, you know, we let sort of a sequence play and, and like we see who laughs. Is it still funny? Is it, you know, is that landing how we or they, the writers, you know, anticipated it to land? And sometimes more changes in that edit session than in previous rewrites because we can talk it out. And it's it's one of my favorite steps in the process because, you know, our showrunners on Central Park were so open to hearing pitches. Everyone just wants to make the show better. And um, it's it's just a fun room. It's a fun room to, like, really work out the kinks of how it's going to actually air. Um, we had one section of an episode that was about Bitsy and she's telling the story of how she met Champagne. And for some reason, through multiple stages of this process, it just wasn't really landing. No one really knew how to fix it. They're like, well, maybe it's fine. We get it back in color and it's not fine. It is so distracting. It's like, no, because you keep thinking like, is she lying? Is she lying about this story? Because what we're seeing on screen could be not lying. So how are we supposed to interpret it? And it's a, it's a B story. It's not a very important beat for the actual episode as a whole, but it was so distracting and throughout all of this, we get to the edit session and we're just like, this doesn't work. Like, how are we going to fix this? It's a B story. There was a lot of heavy lifting for our animators in that episode. So ideally our post super was like, if we could do this with as few retakes as possible, like zero, that would be great. (laughs) And 
we just, it forced us to think outside of the box and we ended up reusing some footage from season one to try and reset the scene so that it was in a full different place. So you actually know that she is lying about, it's like what's on screen is the truth. Like what you're visually seeing is the true story of how she found champagne, but the words are a lie and it is definitely more um, obvious now. Um, as it will air, but it's just an example of how we sat on Zoom for hours and just tried to figure out this little, I mean, we were, we were sitting for hours. This little section took about 30 minutes to try and figure out how we were going to do it and then mock it up so that we could actually create it and like actually send it to animators to be created. So it was a, just a good example of how, you never know until we're actually talking it out if it's actually working. It's it's absolutely stunning the creative process that goes into something like this. Like again, I knew there was changes, but what you just described is pure creativity behind how to solve the problem that is put in front of you. Yeah. You mean communication imperative to get things moving? <laughs> What? It's crazy. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> that was a fantastic peek behind the curtain. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I have... Andrew, do you have anything related to this project before I completely derail? Like, completely throw it onto another track? No, you are uh, good to go. Okay. So, I do have to ask one question before I bring it back to Apple TV because it's yeah. going to be really awkward if the answer is no because then we can just cut straight to it and stay on the track. <laughs> uh, are you into anime at all? Some. I actually haven't watched as much as I really, really want to. Um, okay. We can help change that. But Oh, awesome. What, are, what do you suggest? For a oh, starter, oh, I, I, oh, let's hear buddy. what you've watched and what you're interested <laughs> in, and then we'll build from there. I have watched very few episodes of My Hero Academia. Keep yes, watching them. The... Don't okay. stop. Okay. And be right. fully prepared for the new season coming out next month. Oh, so I have a lot. I have a lot to get through then. <laughs> these five seasons with like five 24 seasons, episodes yeah. each. but if, you, if you're into if you're into dub then like you have more time than others um if you're into sub and you have to watch every week starting sunday morning like it's like you're 10 and waking up for cartoons um, <laughs> like start your binge now because i'm doing my third or fourth binge of this show i think in preparation for next month and that's without me being a podcaster. It's just because of how much I absolutely love the show. One of the questions, one of the questions I was leading up to, I might as well just get straight to it, is that one thing that I'd like to ask all of my guests and anybody that I talk to anime about is what is your Mount Rushmore of anime? And my hero is like the clear number three on that. It, especially with this day and age of like cinema and media being fully immersed in superhero content. Mm -hmm. This rides that so well, but storytelling and music and character development and everything that will just like 
hit you in the gut in the most wonderful ways. It's so motivational. It's so inspirational. Everything about it is just phenomenal, in my opinion. I feel like I'm overselling it. I'm so sorry if I actually am. <laughs> but if you have already started a few episodes, then keep that train rolling because it is totally worth it. Yeah, that train's great. And awesome. then the other big one that is on both uh, Zuhair and my own Mount Rushmore, as we call it, is uh, Demon Slayer. That's a Oh that yeah, I've like heard a of that very one. good starter yes. anime for a lot of people if you're okay. looking for something because it's some of the most beautiful animation you will ever see. Music is phenomenal across the board and the character and storytelling that they have been doing is just really really good. I would say those are the best two and then also something that I have used to get another friend of mine into anime is something called Spy X Family. Uh it just came out. Uh, Zuhair's laughing because he's the one that got me into this, but it's not <laughs> your stereotypical like samurai or superhero anime. It's very it's actual comedy. Yeah, anime. it's it's a comedy that's okay. got a lot of fun going on for it. Um, I'm sure our listeners are shouting at their phones right now because we have talked about so many different anime <laughs> that we're probably forgetting. But those are the those are the quick hits that I would give. But you have to you have to be realistic when it comes to recommending them because it's so easy to recommend something out of excitement, get them to watch it, and then they're like, "Why did I listen to this buffoon?" Like I absolutely love Naruto. <laughs> I think it's the best anime ever. But I I hesitate to recommend it because like you have to catch the right audience with the right thing. So it's like mm -hmm. my hero is the easiest to get into because it hits like most of the norms. Now um, demon slayer. I wouldn't say it's a unique story, but it's a very powerful story and it's only two seasons right now. So it's small and easy to get into. And then if you're just into sitcom -y, comedy, like stuff, spy family is perfect for that. It's only 14 episodes so far. The rest of the season continues next month. Um, I, I, typically don't say sub over dub or dub over sub like to each their own but for this one i feel like the sub actually is a little bit better if you have the patience for that okay but if you That's awesome. need something short and just very light-hearted that will give you a guaranteed laugh every episode spy x family is the way to go yeah but now that, now that, that we've done our long-winded thing uh we'll, we'll pitch the question <laughs> back to you if you have a hammer and a chisel and a mountain and someone said you need to put four things up here you know, since you're not big in anime, we'll expand it to just animation in general. If there were things that you're like, these are my inspirations, or people need to see this, or just this is a thing that I grew up with, like you want to throw Toy Story up there, we don't care. It's just a question we love to ask all the people we interview is what is your big four that like just feels powerful? So I question first in terms of anime okay. is technically avatar the last airbender considered anime or is it just it anime american, style i call it american anime okay because that was my question, it's so similar I, to the style and the storytelling yes yes so i i love anime style i think that that style of artwork is so beautiful and I so it's like I haven't watched a ton of anime but my husband and I since we both edit animation we have promised ourselves to we we have promised ourselves that we are going to watch more animation outside of like the stuff that we work on and we watch a lot of kids animation of course because mm -hmm. we have two young children um 
This is like so hard. So like Bluey. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Bluey. Yes, it's a kid's show, but its animation is phenomenal. It is like hands down one of my favorite uh, animated shows, which sounds so dumb, but it is. I absolutely love it. Um, is it like B-L-U-E-Y? B-L-U-E-Y. Yes, it's, it's, okay. And it is Australian. It's like a, it's Blue Australian Fox kind of thing. Or a dog? It is a uh, blue Australian hound. It oh, it's a like a blue healer. Okay, okay. that makes sense. <laughs> blue healer, thank you. Um, so that is like definitely on my Mount Rushmore. Probably other ones are definitely 2D old school Disney. Little Mermaid, Lion King, like pick a Disney movie animated Disney movie from like 1989 to 1996. Hmm. And that can be in that place on Mount Rushmore. Um, My OGs. <laughs> exactly. The OGs. <laughs> um, probably the other. Oh, this is, this is so hard because <laughs> I love animation in general can be so simple and still be beautiful like artwork for for like bob's burgers great north central park like it's not going to win any artwork awards uh, this is all for you yeah exactly so it's like the the like simplicity and how these shows let the words drive is always something that is awesome to me personally. So I'd probably put like, you know, the Lauren Bouchard <laughs> up there. Um, and then, I mean, I should probably do something in CG. Like, so you really do have a very broad, spectrum when it comes to what you're taking your inspirations from all the time then yeah i mean i mean so if we're putting a fourth one up there i would do like Encanto since it's like the most recent one that i love or moana like that the cg disney pixar style that we're doing specifically the more disney style i'm actually not as big of a fan of um, the Luca style. I okay. love the movie, but I, it's just like, I don't know, aesthetically, if we're talking it's about too things that I like, yeah, it was really bubbly to me. So that's probably like one of the, it's probably not the CG that I would go, but um, I personally would put Raya over there. Cause I'm obsessed with that <sighs> movie. And the fact that it's Raya, martial arts, which is what I train makes it 10 times better, but I see where you're going yes. with and Kanto and, totally. uh, uh, yes, sorry, I one? love so, Moana. Moana, yeah, I Raya absolutely. I we love Raya in our house. My daughter was obsessed. She watched it. She watched it nonstop when it came out in during the pandemic. It was like early two. I don't blame her. She has great taste. I think it was just <laughs> over and over and over. Um, but yeah, so when it comes to animation, like there's a lot of like I watch a lot of animation. So much of it is 
films or children's animation at this point in my at this phase in my life children's animation mm-hmm. is, is high up there but um i would also recommend love death and robots yes. um on netflix that is a great anthology um i don't know yeah I, oh and a- any dc comics i love the dc style like that dark like sinister artwork style i just i love that it's like new yeah, they know how like to do moody. Noir. i wish yeah. you could see our faces right now you melted both of our hearts just now with yeah we line. love dc <laughs> when it comes to th- this show we talk all sorts of stuff it was kind of uh, born out of the show young justice we don't know if you've watched any of that mm. but like i i was gonna say when you mentioned simple art styles earlier like the young justice the dc it's not anything I agree that they're going to win an award for, but it's so fluidly done in this very simplistic style yeah. that just drags you in immediately. It never does anything too weird that it takes you out of it. It's just all perfectly done every single time. So I you definitely want to silver with that. last. And it's what you were. It's what you said about Avatar and talking about like American anime. I feel like DC content, DC animated content is the best example of that. It's the most consistent of taking that anime style, the character development, the storytelling, the very clean, simple designs, but with just wonderfully drawn out action. Man, everything about it is just so good. My husband and I started Harley Quinn. So, oh, that's what we're covering on a weekly basis. Yeah, we just finished recording about an hour ago for the most recent episode, funnily enough. Oh, awesome. We are not caught up, but it is it's like on our rotation whenever we we have time. Well, <laughs> when you get to good. season really three, like if you need someone to listen to about each episode afterwards and check us out. <laughs> awesome. I will. Animation deliberation, wherever you find your podcast. Plug <laughs> ourselves on our own show. Good job. <laughs> awesome. All right. So we're gonna loop back to the original track and then we'll wrap it up from there. Um, Apple TV Plus, I feel like is a very underrated service. I understand why it's difficult to pitch it uh, specifically because like when people sign up for these plethora of streaming services, now there's like a show that they've already been attached to that got taken from Netflix or Hulu put on this and then they make originals. Like that's the typical scheme now when it comes to these services to draw people in Mm -hmm. Apple TV came out with original content right off the bat. They're still continuing to do that. And the first year that it came out, like, it was, if you were an Apple user, you got the stuff for free, COVID was going on, people were watching it, but to to pitch it to other people, it's been very difficult to do, despite the fact that they have Emmy nominee and Emmy winning shows, uh, stuff that's very easily quotable, really easy to get invested in. So I have a list of shows and movies that I love off of Apple TV. Is there anything that you've enjoyed off of the service so far? I, um, yes. Coda. Have you guys seen Coda? It's a movie. Um, it's amazing. Hold That's on, one I'm waiting to watch with my mom. That's the only reason I haven't seen it yet. That makes sense. I'll, I'll throw out my favorites and you can like say, yay, haven't seen it yet or meh. Mm-hmm. All right. So. If you say anything but yay for this, I'll just hang up right now. Ted Lasso. <laughs> Ted Lasso? Yeah, no, Ted Lasso is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Second that is season a gem and out. a half. <laughs> it's awesome. Second season came out when my second baby was a newborn. And so my husband and I were like switching off night 
feedings and we were just both watching it at the same time, but not together. So each day he would be like, how many Ted Lassos did you get? And I was like, oh, I fell asleep after like only 30 minutes. He's like, you have to watch it. So yeah, no, love it. It's like, I'm so sad that it's like only going to be three seasons, but I understand. I mean, I, yeah. That I respect the story they, they can tell. wrap up the season yeah. or wrap up the show with a clean ending, but oh, it's just such a wholesome show. I need more of it. Next up. Same. Mythic quest. Haven't seen it, but I've heard it's hilarious. Especially if you're a gamer. <laughs> okay. All right. It's we'll so put that funny. On it's so funny. It's uh, if you like Ted Lasso, you will enjoy mythic quest. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Um, okay. We're on the final season of this right now. C. With Jason okay. Momoa. I, I haven't seen it. I have an unhealthy obsession with Jason Momoa. So it is definitely on my list. But so you will like, fall in love. So I will fall in love even more. You know, um, Drogo in real life. Um, yes. Um, but is it four seasons? Three seasons? Three. This is the final chapter that just started last week. So it's coming out on a weekly basis. Okay. There's so much content and I have two children. I'm like ashamed of myself as you're going through this list. I, I pulled up a list of Apple Plus shows. I was like, which ones are Apple Plus? And it's like, oh yeah, no, I have so many things on my to be watched list. Oh, I won't lie. I, just... I did the same just to make sure I had the right list up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I'll just burn through these real quick. Uh, the Shrink Next Door miniseries. Have not seen it. Okay, that Shrink was just Next like Door. a long movie, basically. Uh, on okay. another very long movie, Defending Jacob with Chris Evans. I love Chris Evans. I have not seen it. I heard that it was fantastic. So if you again. need more Chris Evans with the beard, oh. word. And I'll just throw out one last one for you that I absolutely love, and that's um. Greyhound with Tom Hanks. That's a movie. Uh, World oh. War II battleship movie. Yes. Phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal. I did watch that. I watched it a while ago. I that cried way more than I thought I was going to. But I. That one really know. had me on the edge of my seat. It made me so uncomfortable throughout the folk. Just oh, the level of detail. And I heard an interview with him and Conan O'Brien about just how much they broke down the book and how meticulous he was about every single small detail down to what kind of shoes he was wearing being in that show in that movie excuse me all of it was so good i i can't stress enough how mo how good apple tv content is so if you guys are listening to this and you've never subscribed to it before get that free week catch up on all of central park oh, and with the time that you have left over please go down this list that we said because <laughs> it is all fantastic do we have a date on central park season three yes friday september 9th tomorrow Friday, September 9th. You guys heard it. Start your seven-day trial. It's only $4.99 a month afterwards. Binge all three of those seasons because it's incredible in all ways. And then watch all the other shows on there. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a delight. It was great seeing behind the curtain and all of your inside and all the stuff that we love. Just, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is yeah, so much fun. Yeah, of course. We're more than happy to have you. And obviously, we already kind of did the little plug for Central Park. Is there anything else while you're here and we have your time? Uh, anything else we should watch with you? Anything you're looking forward to? Any place they should contact or follow you on social media? Anything like that that you would like to throw out into the airwaves? 
Sure. Um, everyone, if so if you like Bob's Burgers and Central Park, you should definitely watch Great North. Also, it comes on right after, comes on right after Bob's, right? Right before Bob's? I never remember. Sunday nights. <laughs> um, the Great North. Um, when subscribing to Apple Plus, you should also, also watch The After Party. I don't know if you guys have watched it. Um, but one of the, one of the showrunners of Central Park is in After Party, Kelvin, uh, Kelvin Yu. And we actually have a whole lot of their main cast as guests on Central Park in season three. Um, but they also have an animated episode, which was really interesting. The way that they put that show together, um, they had an animated episode. So it's, it's a fun watch. Sold. (laughs) Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, I'm, my social media is really boring, but I can share it. It's Chirac, uh, C-H-E-E-R-O-K. Um, and I, it is not cheer. Okay. It is <laughs> Chirac, um, which is my favorite Backstreet Boys nickname mixed with my favorite food, cheese. So that is that's amazing that has been yeah i know it's been my like online handle since i was 14 15 but yeah instagram and and twitter chi rock well we love your commitment to (laughs) handles we love our listeners commitment to checking out the show every week so thank you again one more time for for joining us thank you to the listeners for getting enlightened as we are Hope you enjoy all the shows that were mentioned. So tune in next time. And as always, stay whelmed. And until our next interview, muscle, muscle. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Strandapanda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. That post-vacation glow is priceless, but traveling isn't. So at Cheap Caribbean, we're doing something about it. We're offering you unforgettable and affordable all-inclusive vacation packages. Visit lush destinations in the Caribbean, Central America, and Mexico. No need to save up. Enjoy life right now with a pina colada in one hand and a margarita in the other. Book a vacation now at Hotel Ishkaret with CheapCaribbean.com. Cheap Caribbean. Less planning, more beach. Beach vacations are more than just a few days by the ocean. They're an experience. That's why Beachbound.com offers the unique chance to book beach vacations by experience instead of by destination. At Beachbound, we curate vacations that embody one of our six experiences. Passion, rejuvenation, adventure, togetherness, discovery, and immersion. Now you can experience the beach the way you want to experience it. Book thrilling experiences like zip lines, kite surfing, ATV rides, stunning golf courses, and more at beachbound.com. Have you heard the term concierge medicine and wondered exactly what that means? In short, it's the answer to the question, isn't there a better solution to my health care? Concierge medicine means virtually no waiting for your doctor. It means 24-7 access to physician care. It means truly individualized health care, all at a cost that's lower than you might expect. See pricing and learn more at PartnerMD.com. It's better health care. 
for an even better you. At Kroger, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Kroger app and save from wherever today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. You can save an extra $10 when you spend $40 or more on a great selection of participating items. Just look for the signs and save at Kroger. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 